Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, in mind to lead me through the night. Last week we preached from Isaiah 9, 1 to 7, and I'm going to do the same again today. I hope you've joined with us and been revisiting this passage over the past 10 or 12 days. I want to read it again anyway. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse number 1. Nevertheless, time of darkness and despair did not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. People who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery, lift the heavy burden from their shoulders, You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There'll be fuel for the fire, not needed, not necessary anymore. Why is all of this true? Verse 6, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, not founded on a bill of rights, not founded on a political process, not founded on any constitution of any nation around the world, but the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I don't know, preacher, I don't really see that in my life today. I I appreciate that. I know life has ups and downs. Scripture is plain about that. But I hope we'll grasp hold that the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. The purpose of the Christ child born as we commemorate this weekend will be realized. It will come to pass. 
It, it will happen as has been prophesied and declared and as we have seen in points of light and opportunities and revivals and evangelism here and there, sparks of hope and joy and, and wondering, will it happen? I, I just want us to know and be certain today, yes, it will happen. Yes, it will come to pass. That birth in Bethlehem was not accidental. It has not been stunted. Its purpose has not been thwarted. It will come to pass. Hmm. Last week we talked about the even scorekeeper. If you're interested in that understanding of justice, you can find that message online from last week. Today I simply want to talk about Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I'm going to talk for a little while and invite us again to respond to Prince of Peace. Thank you, Brad, for taking us down that path and opening that door in our understanding, paving the way. Amen. As you're seated, turn to somebody, smile great big, and say, Prince of Peace. Boy, this past week has been a, a weather adventure, hasn't it? I, I'm driving down the road on the way to church today and the rain's pouring down. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's the way it ought to be right there. Get this snow and ice business. I need 45 degrees and some rain. That's all I need. If I want snow, I'll drive to it. <laughs> And indeed, there are some whose life circumstance and situations found this past week troubling and threatening and disturbing. Their refrigerators and cupboards aren't full. Their home situation is sketchy or perhaps non-existent. Their power went out and their heat's not on. There were some who faced real trouble this past week. There are also a whole lot of folks that the slowdown, the stoppage, the work cancellations, the school being out, the transit not running, quieted us down, slowed us down, brought some stillness. Even if in our own nature, in our own workplace, our own job, career, we felt like, Man, I got to get some stuff done. You just can't. <laughs> it doesn't matter how bad you want to. Things have come to a halt. Sometimes when it snows like that and it covers everything over and everything's come to a standstill, I really like the quiet that it brings. And then that stillness and in that quiet, there are times when you and I, if we'll allow to be in that moment, realize, well, what is this life really all about? What really matters? Can I evaluate indeed in the stillness and in the quiet? There is something from God. There is something of God. In fact, in that moment, there is peace. 
How often, how often does peace cross your mind? At what times do you, you think about peace? When do you, what are the circumstances that bring peace into part of what you're thinking about, desiring, praying for? And what is, what's peace mean to you? I mean, if you have peace, what, what does peace look like? How do you know you have peace? Commonly, we think about peace as freedom from disturbance, tranquility. We think about peace as being a, a mental calmness, uh, maybe a contentment or serenity. We think about peace as being no civil disturbances, no conflict, no war. And when there's not peace, then on the other side, we might associate perhaps noise or irritation or agitation or distress or conflict or disturbance or fear, anxiety or worry. Candidly, there are times when I wonder if we lack peace because of society's incessant penchant to broadcast problems. We don't lead off newscasts with peaceful reports. We don't have the headlines on the front page for those old folks like me that read actual newspapers. Those headlines aren't often encouraging, wonderful, uplifting things. No, we incessantly highlight the problems. Maybe increased anxiety and worry in our world today is no surprise as trouble receives the most headlines. We, we glorify problems, and in that hypersensitivity to problems, peace can elude us. I, I'm not trying to diminish the importance of some problems. I'm not trying to belittle some issues that are, are better solved, but I, I wonder what would happen if peace were given some greater attention, some greater focus and pursuit. I wonder about biblical peace as compared to our current understanding of peace. What I just talked about in our day-to-day -day operation appreciation of peace, how does that compare, does it compare to biblical peace, scriptural peace? Maybe could there be a fuller definition, a greater understanding of peace in God's kingdom than what we appreciate? In the Old Testament, the term peace is derived from a Hebrew word, shalom. Shalom. It's a beautiful word. It conveys wholeness. It conveys harmony. It conveys health. Shalom is used often to describe a relationship, either a human relationship or relationship between humans and God. It's to describe friendship and care and loyalty and love. And you and I might think about peace as an end to war. And that's true, but it would be a shallow definition of biblical peace because shalom encompasses this, this broad picture of how God makes right everything that's wrong in the world. 
Divine shalom is peace that brings order out of chaos and, and justice in place of injustice. One man wrote, the webbing together of God and humans and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight, bringing all those elements together for all of those individuals and all of creation, that's what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. Shalom, peace, it's a rich state of affairs. Natural needs are satisfied. Natural gifts are fruitfully employed. In other words, shalom is the way things ought to be. One songwriter wrote about shalom and says it, it dares to imagine the all-encompassing flourishing of every person and everything all at the same time. Shalom's a transformation of the conditions that lead to war in the first place. It's not just ending war, but leveling out all the problems that caused it in the first place. When there is shalom, everything gets to function the way it was created to function. Shalom, divine peace. It's bigger, it's deeper, it's more broad, it carries more depth than what you and I would normally assign to it. It's how God makes right everything that's wrong in the world. It's the way things ought to be in God's eyes. Everything gets the function the way it was created to. How would that be, preacher? Well, if we go back to creation and we look at Genesis 1 and we look at the creation and God bringing things into being, that's what we understand in his creation, how things should operate. Time and time again in that first chapter of Genesis, the Lord created and said, that's good. He created and said, that's good. When he got done with the bulk of it, he said, oh, this is very good. In Eden's flawless environment, God's creation, how it should act, how it should operate, how everything should be. There was none of the threats that you and I know today. The things that are part of our week, our month, our day, our life, our emotions, our worries that come upon us and threaten shalom and peace. Those weren't in Eden. They weren't there. The practical things that were threatening, that were fearful, that could bring harm, they weren't there. Eden was built on divine shalom. Nothing inhibited, nothing diminished the Lord's peace. Peace permeated Eden. Shalom was the constant. Until disobedience. This is what God created. This is how everything should operate. This is how everything should be. This is the way it should be until there was disobedience. Until breaking the Lord's covenant. And then sin entered God's perfect world. And things started to track downward. In that disobedience then there became blame and then there was accusation and things become unraveled. Then 
then worship was first uh, pushed out farther. It was diminished, and then it was disingenuous. And finally, you see, Adam and Eve, who knew God's perfection, now their son Cain kills their son Abel, his brother. Peace is surely departed. And sinful humanity's affront on shalom continues to push it farther away, making it more difficult, more elusive to achieve and maintain. And so you can imagine over the course of history how we have not experienced Eden in and of ourselves. We've read about it. We pray about it. We see it as God's ideal, but it hasn't been our particular experience. Then knowing what it could be, knowing what it ought to be, how much great enthusiasm we bring to the table when Isaiah pens in Isaiah 9 and 6, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He'll rule with fairness and justice for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. No wonder humanity sees that, repeats that, quotes that, looks to that. And in churches across the world over the course of this weekend will be declaring, there is peace on the way. Peace came and dwelt in humankind, born of a virgin, a baby in a manger. Peace has been delivered in person to this planet. And there is coming a day when peace will rule, when peace will be sovereign. Prince of peace, prince of the way things ought to be. Prince of everything gets to function the way it was created to. In Jesus' birth, we witness humanity's turning point. You got Eden and then disobedience and then murder and, and humanity struggles. The scripture records it, history records it and there's this failing and floundering and, and peace seems to remain something that was in the past and something to wish for and hope for but an unattainable and elusive goal. That's a turning point. A turning point is when Jesus Christ enters into this humanity. Peace arrives in flesh, opens the doorway so that the tranquility of Eden could be seen again, not just in the past, but there would be a development. There would be an ongoing rising up. There would be a pursuit of what used to be back in the beginning will come again at the end of time. It is on the way. Jesus' birth personalizes the Lord's invitation to peace and it makes the opportunity for everyone. Isaiah makes it clear. Peace will 
penetrate and prevail. Eternally, Jesus' peace will overwhelm humanity's problems. And he's making certain that it does. It says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. There is a clear promise. What used to be will come again. Universal shalom, societal peace is coming and will be realized. Well, what happens till then? Until then, Christ's followers, those filled with his spirit, enjoy ready access to his divine peace. Well, we don't see it worldwide. Well, we've yet to see it even in some countries and even in some neighborhoods. You wonder, will there ever be peace in this community? And there's still the opportunity of peace for every individual. In Romans 14, the Apostle Paul pens, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The same writer wrote a letter to the church in Galatia, and in chapter 5 of that letter he writes, But the fruit of the Spirit. It's the package. It's what you get with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Can I remind us this morning and send us home this Christmas weekend with this fundamental understanding in our minds, the peace of Jesus Christ. It's, it's more than conceptual out there somewhere. It's more than societal just for the largesse of humanity and population. It's more than developmental. Well, it's kind of in process. Peace, shalom of Lord Almighty is more than just eternal that we'll get there someday. It's more than just being out there for others. No, His divine peace is is personal and it is present and it is available to all in the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit we receive the Prince of Peace transformed back in us the way things ought to be to creation's perfection. His Spirit in me brings us back to that. The Prince of Peace. A few weeks ago in our small group, faith groups were meeting, talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. And somebody in the course of conversation and discussion, somebody questioned, what are the privileges of the Holy Spirit? Of the answers that were offered and went around the room, one stuck out to me. Someone said, peace. Peace. In a discussion, maybe the next week or a couple later, the same person 
explained a beautiful example of the Spirit's peace being very present in her life. And so rather than me tell another story, I've asked Haley to come and to share her story of personal peace being realized by a personal Savior working in an individual circumstance. Come on, Haley. Greetings. Uh, it was suggested to me that I tell this story unscripted, so see where the journey takes us. <laughs> uh, this must be what those preachers that don't use notes feel like. It's a wild feeling. Um, so a few weeks ago, uh, my husband Stephen and I were planning to go visit my in-laws who are in Wenatchee. So we were going to have to drive over one of the mountain passes. And the week leading up to that weekend was awful. Like the passes had been closed. There was like a 30 car pile up one day and they were closed. Like things were not good. It was snowing. It was icy. It was terrible. So I was like, I don't think we're going to make it. Um, and then Friday I'm at work and I'm like, let me just check the cameras. Let me see what's going on. And the roads are completely clear. There's no restrictions. And I'm like, oh, we should go. We should go. It's clear. Uh, and I'm like, okay, let me check the weather forecast. And it's supposed to be totally clear. There's like a 20% chance of snow starting at five on Friday. And it's not supposed to be terrible. Just like, I don't know, like less than five inches of accumulation. So I'm like, okay, like talk it over with Steven. I'm like, okay, we can do it. Let's do it. So we pack up, we get in the car, we start driving. It's raining on this side. And we get in the car, we start, and we like say our standard road trip prayer, right? I'm like, okay, uh, help us to get there safely, keep the roads clear, keep us safe, help, th help there to be no snow, and keep all the crazy drivers away from us. Amen. <laughs> As soon as I say amen, I kid you not, a car like veers into our lane and almost hits us. Hits us. And I throw up my hands and I'm like, really, Jesus? Like, <laughs> and my darling husband is like, uh, you best not be wagging your fingers at God. And I was like, oh, he knows I'm joking. It's fine. <laughs> and we continue on our way. Uh, when we hit North Bend it starts snowing. I'm like, okay, all right, it's around five, we're okay, this is what's expected. It starts snowing more, and the closer we get to the pass, the worse it gets. There's like snow accumulating, it's blowing, and I'm like, oh no, this is not looking good. And we kind of start going up the pass, we're a few miles from it, and cars are pulled over. Uh, I check the requirements now, and it's chains required or tra traction tires. I'm like, okay, uh, maybe we shouldn't do this. So I call both my in-laws, and they are the chillest people. And they're like, oh, take your time. No rush. It'll be fine. Both of them, take your time. No rush. It'll be fine. i like, okay. <laughs> and Steven's feeling fine. I think he can tell that I'm getting, like, more worked up and anxious, so he's, like, trying to keep it cool over there. I'm like, all right, well, we'll be okay. So we passed, I don't know, like 50 cars that are pulled over in semis, putting their chains on and things. And I'm like, okay, we're going to be, we're going to be okay. So we like keep going and we're like at the top of the pass and it's like, it's really coming down guys. And I have not, I have not driven in a snowstorm before. This is not an experience that I've had. And I'm like 
I'm like near panicked. Like my heart is like beating out of my chest. I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna have like a, a heart attack before we get over there. Um, so then we get to the top and I'm like, okay, this knows it's gonna stop now. We're at the top of the pass. That's when it said it was gonna stop. The other side of the pass will be fine. It'll be fine. So I check the weather again and now there is a winter snow, winter storm warning for the east side of the Cascades and it's supposed to be like 10 to 20 inches of accumulation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're gonna die. This is, this is the day I die, like, in this snow. <laughs> and, like, at this point, like, some of you know, I, I do have pretty bad anxiety, and I am, like, stressed. Like, I'm very, very stressed, very anxious. Steven's still keeping it cool over there, but, like, I think I'm, like, visibly, like, almost shaking. And so we keep going, we make it over, just driving, like, 25 to 30 miles an hour. And not that I hadn't been praying before, but I just kind of stopped a second and I just like started kind of praying in my head. And it was the most, I think only one other time in my life that I had this feeling of like all of a sudden it was just like God's peace just came like rushing in. It was literally like a wave just like into that car. And it was like God was saying like, you're going to be okay. Like, Nothing outside of this car is okay. Like, the roads are not, other people are not, the snow is not. Nothing is okay outside of this car. But inside this car, you're fine. You're safe. And it was just a reminder to just distrust him. And, like, I have a really hard time trusting. I have a really hard time, like, not knowing and not having control. And in that car, we could only see... I don't know, 10 feet in front of us, wherever our headlights were shining. We couldn't see anything around us. Things were blowing. And that's all we needed. All we needed was to see that 10 feet in front of us, right? Just to keep going, just to keep moving. And it was just the most incredible feeling and wasn't at all like I prayed, right? Like I was very specific in my instructions to Jesus. <laughs> and it wasn't any of those things but it was just what it needed to be, and it was just the perfect reminder that with him, everything's going to be okay. The peace of God. It's not just a definition in a book. It's real. It's practical. It's available day in and day out. The Prince of Peace. Would you stand? While the Lord's peace hasn't yet perfected the planet, and though we know he will someday, he is available even now to perfect peace in each person. And I just invite you wherever you are, would you just thank the Lord for his peace right now? We prayed a few moments ago about applying peace, but would you just thank the Lord right now? You probably have a story just like Haley shared at some point. You probably have a memory of God intervening and doing some amazing things. And he may not have changed the circumstance entirely, but he changed your perception of it. He gave you a, a realization. He's alive and well, and he's attentive, and he's there. 
Divine peace will change all situations at some point in the future. But for now, His divine peace works in individuals to let us know, I've got this. You are in my hands. I see your life. I see your family. I see your circumstance. I, I see your confusion. I see your misunderstanding. I see it all, and I am here, and I am with you. That's what the Prince of Peace is all about. Oh, and he's moving right now. He's speaking to minor women right now. He's, he's talking to some moms and dads in this place right now. Would you just raise your hand and talk to him on your own? Would you, would you thank God for what he's doing in every life in this room? Online, I encourage you as well. Come on, receive the Prince of Peace in your life, in your circumstance, in your situation. Uh, allow Him to move in your house right now. Allow Him to move as you're driving your car right now. Pull off the side of the road and, and allow His peace to minister in your automobile. He's alive. He's well. He's, he's working. He's ministering. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.